sound uh, in my I didn't, setup. I didn't catch it last time, but, you know, I probably was drunk and wasn't paying attention. God damn it. All right. Well, and in the that. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> not and my episode. That, I'm not starting that. Yeah. It's like, and on that note, I say, welcome to Geeks with Kids, your bi-weekly geeky podcast from a parenting point of view. I wasn't even sure It seems why weekly like, sometimes, doesn't it? It seems almost hourly, depending on how many uh, recording sessions we want to blitz. Uh, I am your host this week, Matt Moore. And with me, we have Mr. Steve. Hello. Mr. Hawk. Hello. Mr. Eric. Yo. And our new friend, Mr. Gus, a.k.a. Gus Gus, a.k.a. The Gus. Hello. I don't know why I threw that many nicknames in, but it's entertaining <laughs> to me. So I appreciate that. it. I try. So now that we've done our wonderful greetings, we're going to continue on with a new segment that we've brought back because I made Eric do it because I what, think it's a cool idea. What's your yum? So, <laughs> but we're not calling it that because that's just not catchy enough. It's isn't it? Isn't it? It's no, what it's the, the I don't know. Would like. I don't know if I really want to share that, whatever that See, is. That's exactly why it does not sound. It's not a thing that a bunch of dudes sitting around talking about nerdy <laughs> things should be using as a topic of conversation, bro. I'm pretty sure I shipped that. Oh, 420 Fortnite dabbing my haters graves. Anyways. I have no um, idea what's going on. Okay. <laughs> I'm with you. Don't worry. Yeah, we're, 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 we're trying I'm to get doing it. I, I hit the young audience. Well, we need that Generation Z uh, group to listen to us. Right? Okay, uh, okay, Boomer. Yeah. <laughs> I'm, not oh, even, I'm, I'm not even close Boom. to that. So, <laughs> okay. if there was, if there were people closer, they're in the other windows. <laughs> we love that. Hey, easy now. Uh, Wait, am I the baby um, here? I am uh, the baby. Yeah, you are the baby. You're okay, the baby. but we'll try to drag this back onto topic as much as we can. Drag uh, it from hell. Oh, hey, no, that's a different movie altogether. <laughs> Um, no, we're going to kind of do a quick little recap because we haven't spoken in a, in a week or a couple weeks, uh, according to podcast chronology. Yep. Uh, so we'd like to give everyone a little update on what we're into, what we're watching, what we're playing, what we're reading, what we're basically just digging on right now. Fun, fun frivolities so that the audience can get to know us as people as opposed to just random voices hating on things that they may or may not like. Uh, that, that's all I do, actually. I, I think, I think we're, this is an episode of love, is it not? <laughs> mm-hmm. It is. Uh, yeah, I think so. <laughs> well, we've all picked something that we really admire. So I'm sure. I'm sure we all hate certain aspects of the movies we're eventually going to talk about. I bring you love. <laughs> he brings love. Get him. Get, Get him. He's different. All right. So we're going to start, Mister Hawk. What are you digging on this week, my friend? Um, my yum for the week. <laughs> I'm, I'm never going to say that. I just want to just get that out there. Thank you. Not at <laughs> Me and Hawk. Uh, all right. It's not going to be a thing. It's not going to be a thing. Stop trying to make fetch happen. <laughs> My yum for the week is definitely the return of Rick and Morty. Yeah. Uh, so good. I just caught up on, I just caught the first episode in that, I, you know, and I knew it was going to be good. I just didn't know if it was going to slip into that, you know, fourth season kind of malaise, but like it came out so strong. Nice. It's been what a year or so since the last season. I, I think, think it's it, two, right? It almost yeah. was yeah. two in that. It like, so. yeah, because like, I mean, if they're not going to come out of the gate hot after two years, then oh. yeah, it's pretty much a sign. <clears throat> but I could tell that I could tell from certain aspects they've been playing it for a while in that because uh, I did recognize. I'm not going to no spoilers or anything in that, no. but uh, if you played the Pocket Morty's game on your iPhone in that, then, yeah, 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 you will recognize some aspects of the new episode. Oh, <laughs> nice, nice. Okay, now yeah. I have to watch yeah. that. Um, and and the second episode has taika in it so yes nice you know 
He is mm. just everywhere these days. <laughs> oh, yeah. They're starting off strong. Strong. Nice. Very strong. All right. All right. Mr. Eric, what is your what what are you digging on this week? I will not use what, that what, phrase. What my yum is? Yeah. What what is my yum? Oh. Yes. <laughs> um I'm I'm really yumming. No, that doesn't sound right. No. I'm really loving. <laughs> yeah. um, I'm really, really loving Jedi Fallen Order. Nice. Mm. Nice. It's, uh, so it's the newest Star Wars game by Respawn Entertainment and published by a different company. And it is just so good. <laughs> like nice. having Mandalorian cool. release and then have this come out like the same week is like Star Wars fans is like dream. Yeah, it's kind of like the opposite of when Last Jedi and Battlefront 2 came out in the same <laughs> yes, month for no, me. No, yeah, 100%. I've never come back from that, so that's that's yeah. good. No, it's that's great. No, I'm glad to hear that it's actually a good game. The yeah. good thing about Jedi Fallen Order is that it feels like a Souls game but set in the Star Wars universe. Cool. That's very that's, cool. And you know, we've talked about how I I'm not good at Souls games, but I appreciate them way more now after playing this game. It's not it's not an easy game and if people are expecting the Force Unleashed, they're sorely going to be like broken in this game. Well, that's It's pretty much yeah, it's pretty much Dark Souls meets Tomb Raider meets Uncharted. Yeah. In Star good combination, Wars. but with lightsabers. With lightsabers, I I'm pretty sure that this might be like I'm near the end of the game. Wow, uh, this might be my favorite Star Wars game. That's oh, that's nice. awesome, but also wow. kind of almost disappointing because you that came out Friday. Um, yeah. So I have been playing it nonstop. Okay. <laughs> like it, yeah. Unfortunately, two long gaming sessions. There, well, there's a post of it about it on Facebook, but uh. Not by me, by one of our friends. <laughs> so, <laughs> so, yeah, no, it's, it's amazing. The story feels like it's set in the universe and they go to places that they talk about in different series. Cool. And there are places that I don't want to spoil. No, yeah, don't. No, let, let um, people find the fun. But the game is amazing. If anyone gets the chance to play this game, I 100%. It might be my game of the year. If, now, if, cool, just, cool. just as a quick question before I move on, since you, since you said you're near the end of the game, what's are you vibing that there might be some DLC down the pipeline or is this just going to be a solid standalone? That's it. I don't, it depends say. on how it ends, but okay. I don't see them. If they do continue it, it has to be like an actual continuation of the story. Okay. Right? Um, it would be weird just to have a random mission. It it they have this Metroidvania aspect to the game, so you can return to different planets you travel to. Okay. So you can I, I assume once you beat the game, you can still go back and find all those secrets. It makes um, sense. But I don't know. DLC seems weird for this, and I don't think okay. deserved. Like uh-huh. you know when Amy Hennig had a Star Wars game in the pipeline and uh-huh. uh, oh, yeah. the of Uncharted yeah. and then they canceled it. This yeah. feels like it should have been that game. Like it feels yeah. like Cool, cool. I got I got those vibes when I started to see the new one, and I'm just I'm I am wondering like if there was any cross pollination there or not. But. Not not that I, well the the Amy Henning one was about bounty hunters right. or smugglers. Um, yeah. so it would have gone. So it was a crew of yeah. four or five, and you could switch between the characters. Mm-hmm. I guess they're like GTA. Um, yeah, but set in the Star Wars universe. Mm-hmm. Uh, Steve, you'll appreciate this. Do you know the 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 maze sequence in Control? Yes, my favorite gaming sequence of this year obviously because you know you know so, but there's so a sequence epic. in fallen order that oh. is on par wow sort of close to that and on par with the the train sequence in uncharted 2 wow Ooh. oh okay so, all right so okay you have good. my attention now it, nice it, that there was a, there was a moment where i just kept on like being like oh shit, oh shit, oh shit. 
Oh, <laughs> oh cool. Oh, and I was just like, yeah, this, this, yeah, it, it totally, as a Star Wars fan, I, I appreciate it. Very it cool. Has de- it has dethroned TIE Fighter and X-Wing. It's my favorite game. Very that's, cool. That's crazy. Yeah. All right. All right. All right, Mr. Gus, what are you digging on this week, my friend? Oh, well, yeah, no, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, episode one through three. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> just kidding. I'm actually Disney plusing it yeah. quite a bit. So cool. You know, going back and watching stuff from 1920 onwards. You know, trying to catch up on this whole Jeff Goldblum series. Which how uh, good is that so show? Good. It is amazing. And I want I, ice cream all the time now. I, I know more and so she, than normal. Yeah, I was gonna say you always like do crazy. That. Yeah, um, but no, it's been like I love that I can go back and look at you know my favorite stuff as a kid, like Sleeping Beauty. I know it sounds stupid. It's my favorite, mm. favorite, favorite animated show because hmm. she turns into a freaking dragon. Like how cool is that? Yeah. Right? yeah. To watch it. And I'm like, it still holds up. Yeah. I love Pinocchio. Nice. So it was nice. Oh, you know, I can't watch that one. Can't watch uh, that one. It, it, there's, there's some great art in it and you can see like brush strokes in the waves and it's oh, yeah. so meticulously made. It's so beautiful. Oh, yeah. Have you been going through like chronologically or have you just randomly gone? I've gone through the collections and yeah. started with so i'm just kind of like playing through that eight nine minute kind of videos and then cool playing through but it's uh, nice. I mean, my kids are loving it you know mm-hmm. my friends are coming over going you guys have it already I'm like yeah why wouldn't we yeah like, you have kids obviously you, know, you have it now <laughs> exactly right so it's just one of those things but it's, it's mm-hmm. just a great time suck <laughs> did you guys through, see that um they released the hawkeye title yeah sequence? they did yeah. oh cool oh it looks so good i hope oh. kate bishop sort of looks like her silhouette even though they haven't cast her yet i thought I'm they had sure cast i thought her. that they had i thought they had um staley uh, Haley steinfeld Haley Sanford, they, yeah. she hasn't uh confirmed it oh mm-hmm. wow i think they're in negotiations yeah, yeah. Mm. well they have you know a year to get it figured out so i'm sure it'll be fine yeah, or you know, six months, whatever. They have some time. Fall twenty twenty one. So yeah, they so yeah, they, they got some time. All right, now Steve, I'm going to bring it back to you, sir. Now that you've heard everyone else's example of this, what are you digging on this week, my friend? Well, I wasn't uh, really keeping track. I don't usually, so I'll have maybe a better answer the next time. But uh, I don't know. Uh, I kind of got back into For Honor, which is a bit of a weird, ah. like repetitive loop for me. Uh, you know, they introduced a new character, so. Uh, you know, that's, that's a little bit of an acquired taste, so uh, I don't know if that's for everybody. And then, in the same token, going back to old games, uh, for some reason, I never finished um, Shadow uh, of Mordor. Uh, the, Is that the, the first one or the second one? The first one. The first, first one. one. So, uh, yeah, I, I started playing that again, and I figured out a better way of fighting than just dodging and parrying everything. And So that's been kind of fun. But uh, yeah, I guess, it's, like, it's, go ahead. Don't play the second one. I, I I heard that they fixed it, so no, no, I no. don't know. They fixed the microtransaction. They didn't fix the plot. Oh yeah. well, that that yeah, I'm the, not expecting much of anyway at this point. You know, from or the, the first gameplay. Game. Sure. Well, sure. I mean, well, it's it's okay. Well, I, I want to finish the first one anyway first yeah. before I even think about the second. Finish one. the first one. Play the first one's good, yeah. and then yeah. you can kind of decide if you want to to go back to that well, which they probably didn't need to. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> no, they really didn't. The first one was such a good standalone one. Yeah. That yeah. Well, obviously they were gonna make try and make money. Sure. Yeah. Well, yeah, but you know. It's, but then they were like microtransaction for all the monies. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah they really kind of lost their minds. And I Johnson. guess uh, I guess the one last thing, uh, which I can probably expand on in the future discussion because it's going to be ongoing, is uh, I'm really enjoying these uh, 
these audiobooks uh, for uh, Warhammer 40K. Uh, mm, nice. Actually, to be more specific, they are the Warhammer 30K audiobooks. Uh, and uh, I'm just I'm just really enjoying like a, a science fiction. You know, it's pulp. It's you know, it's kind of you know sort of lowbrow. But you know what? I, I think these books are actually pretty well well done. And especially because um, I keep expecting to be like, ah, the last one was really good. I don't know about this next one. There's like over 50 books in this series and the whole thing was planned from the beginning and they've been following following this 10-year plan and -hmm. they got all the authors together and they just said this is what's going to happen we're going to figure it all out and then we're going to assign books and and so it's just been this just amazing journey through a well-crafted carefully put together setting with all these interlocking stories and uh it's just right now. I, there isn't anything quite like it for me, and uh, I'm just loving it. So anyway, nice. I don't want to get into it. Uh, I'll probably talk about it another time. I, I'm I just do have a question. It. Sure. Is there like a myth keeper? Is there like someone that's like making sure that all the canon is? Yeah. Proper? Well, um, that's something that I think they decided to do a few years back. They decided, you know what? Um, we've been trying to hang on to the the rights to the IP, like <laughs> quite. Dracon in a very draconian way. Mm-hmm. And uh, I think you'll all notice there are 40K app games like everywhere now. Yeah, yeah. And I think what they decided to do because THQ used to be the exclusive rights holders and then they, they collapsed. Yeah. Um, they decided, you know what? Let's just actually let everybody make games. Um, the only thing we care about, like we don't care about the quality in that case. The Sorry, only like- thing we care about is the lore. So mm-hmm. to answer your question in a roundabout way, I do think there are definitely lore masters because yeah there are literally hundreds of games now because they they do not care about the quality they just want to make sure any game that is made is consistent yeah and uh and the fact that yeah this 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 novel series that i'm reading right now it's it's kind of like a prequel story um they literally gathered all their best authors and said we want you all to figure out what is exactly going to happen create all the characters you need and then you guys will go out and write this write these books for 10 years and that's what they've been doing is following cool. this carefully planned. And anyway, that's all I'm saying is yeah. I'm loving it because right now there doesn't seem to be anything else quite like that. There's a lot of kind of sloppy handling of, you know, different uh, franchises. And this is one that now I don't know what's happening in the current timeline. I've heard some grumblings there, but in this <laughs> prequel timeline, it's almost over. I hope they don't screw it up with the last few books. Yeah. Uh, it's been really good. So anyway, that's me gushing. Uh, yeah, so right. yeah. One more question. Yes. Is it available on Audible? Yes. Well, I, so I, maybe our listeners should go to audibletrial.com slash geeks with kids and pick up a free book. I will double check that right now though. Yeah. <laughs> I don't so, want to, you know. I will you look that, that you up. Get one while free we, book in like a 30 day trial if you go to that link that I mentioned. Very yeah. cool. Pretty cool. I just want to just I haven't like pimped that link in a long time. I was like, I didn't even know we had that link. That's yeah, impressive. Yeah, yeah, actually I didn't know that either. All right, I have I have checked. Yes, the the books I'm talking about are from the Horus Heresy, and yes, they are available in Audible. Very yeah. cool. Pick up your free book and try. Yeah. <laughs> Pretty cool. <laughs> very very cool. Um, I'll finish with me, and then we'll actually get to the topic at hand because you know I've had a very very boring week. I'm a very boring person because I basically no, no yums. You were, I, I I work even the I bread sleep. yums. <laughs> oh, the bread yums. So the whole tale about that I'll get into off the air. <laughs> um, but no, I'm still uh, still trudging my way through the Outer uh, outer Worlds. Very, very cool game. Nice. Um, it's, it's, I'm about 
I think close to the midway point at it. It's it's feeling like it's losing a bit of steam, but I'm waiting. Um, I have a feeling I'm either I'm either at the midway point or I haven't actually opened up the galaxy yet. It's 50-50 for me. That's what I was wondering. I know a lot of open world games get that, you know, that that slog yeah. in the middle. Yeah. That's usually where they lose me. It's not so much a, even a slog as it's just a like I'm kind of mired down in the okay, now you go to this planet and you get your main quest on that planet, but here's all the sub quests that show up. It's just it's a lot of grinding. So mm. I but I'm not sure if that's just because I'm in the <laughs> midpoint of the game and I'm trying to level or if it's like cool, now that you've figured out how everything works, now we're going to open up the rest of the galaxy for you. It's really 50-50. Is there a lot of fetch quests, or is it actually uh, good missions? There's there's always good missions, but there's usually a ton of fetch quests that are mixed in with them. That's fair. So it's like, well, you're going to this place anyway, so go find these things while you're there. It's like, okay, cool. I guess. But the combat I'm finding is really, either the combat's really difficult or my armor is garbage. I haven't <laughs> figured out which one it is yet. Maybe we're just getting too old to get these reflexes. Like in Fallen Order, there are times where I'm like, I'm pretty sure I pressed block there, but who knows? I'm losing thumb speed. That's not good at all. That's all I had going for me. That's as close to sports as I play. Yeah, it's, it's thumb dementia. Yeah. <laughs> you, you thought uh, you hit block, but I just started flipping the TV off. That sounds about right, actually. Um, that and I, yeah, I'm like Gus. I'm I'm pounding my way through Disney Plus as best I can, especially because I'm I'm one of the unfortunate few whose TV uh, Disney Plus does not cast onto anymore. Ever since well, the last update, well, what TV do you have? It's a Westinghouse, but it's uh the chip that's in the. There's a certain uh, chip in certain TV TV models that if you have that is part of one of the patches that Disney Plus did. It just won't work on that TV anymore. It won't it won't let you cast. Oh boo! It'll cast yeah, audio, wow. but the video won't cast. And it says Disney Plus is unavailable to cast on your on your uh, television. That's brutal, man. But I looked, I looked it. Oh, it's all right. I looked it up. Apparently, it's a it's a patch problem. They're going to be fixing in early 2020. They just didn't realize it was going to be a problem when they were trying to fix the the loading on everything with their patches last week. So I'm like, eh, it happens. You have a PS4 though, too. You can watch it on that. I haven't tried on the PS4 yet. Yeah, it's um, surprisingly stable now. Yeah, that the newest uh, update. Yeah, I'll look it up. Out. I'll take a look at it. Yeah, but yeah, that's that's just it. You know, a lot a lot of OG Disney stuff. A lot of you know, traversing the galaxy and a lot of staring at the inside of my own eyelids because sleep is a good thing. Yeah. But now to the topic that we should not be sleeping on. There we go. That was a tidy. Hey, seat. good, good segue. Great. I like that. I'm going to pat myself Seamless. on the back. <laughs> As our loyal listeners know on Geeks with Kids, we've, we've talked many times about various comics to film adaptations, be it the Marvel films or most recently the, the Batman films. But there's a topic that I, I noticed that we haven't really taken a, a close look at, and that's why I like to call the obscure comic films. These are properties that, to the casual viewer, they wouldn't necessarily know that they were based off uh, off a comic, be it a graphic novel or a comic series or a, a manga, if you will. I mean, there are some standards that people know, like the movie 300, Zack Snyder's 2007 film. People knew that was a comic book, and if you didn't, Watching that movie very closely, you'd realize this looks like a comic book. Actually, I remember going to see it and people at the theaters were like, oh, that looked really, really uh, cool. And then yeah. people were like, oh, that was a comic book? And I was like, yeah. get like, out of here. What are you looking at? He's <laughs> recreating frames from the comic on screen. Yeah, it's a comic book. Yeah. No, but I mean, it's... But that that really is a that really is a comic that only people who actually you know follow comics would know though it's not that popular. I mean, it wasn't no. that popular, but I mean it was still it was 
it was known and they and especially leading up to it they really pushed it they, that's they true re-released it they pushed it in uh in especially in bookstores i remember they really pushed that uh, that's true they did do that yeah so people were like oh that's uh that's that movie coming out did they do a comic about that movie i'm like it was a comic first and then people would punch me because i'm like oh i shouldn't talk to strangers in bookstores it's weird <laughs> Uh, but then you have other things like you have 2004's Hellboy by uh, Guillermo del Toro. Yes. Which again, a lot of people did not necessarily know was a comic property, although more people did than not, because again, they were really trying to push that. Uh, it was a comic. Yeah. Even, yeah. Up to that. Even, even the most cursory comic fan would still be have been aware of Hellboy before that movie yeah. came out. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. I think really the granddaddy of them all would be uh, 97's Spawn. <laughs> sure. Everyone knew that was a comic property before right. it was released, which is good because when if they saw that movie, they'd go in. I wish this was the comic. Yeah. <laughs> but I still stand by John Leguizamo had a phenomenal performance in that movie. Yes. He did. He was as, really good. As questionably written as the rest of it was, Leguizamo was great. Yeah, yeah. But... There are so many other properties that uh, some are more known, some are a little more obscure that we're going to, as a group, try to do a little deep dive on here just for fun and for, for giggles, if you will, because I, I like the topic and I like to nerd out with, with my boys here. So we're going to start off with Mr. Eric, because you usually go last. I'm going to make you go first. Wow. Oh, cool. I was in first on the list, so that's cool. I, oh, so that's gotcha. confusing. Now I have to actually write notes instead of... Uh, <laughs> no, so, so, um, I caught you sleeping, so I'm like, no, I'm going to get him right now. Yeah, it really was. I was <laughs> sleeping. I was a little bit uh, yeah. taking that snooze. Let me move my notes in front of me. Hold on. I had it on the side. <laughs> All right. Every so I'm do- throw curveballs. Yeah. So I'm doing 2010's Scott Pilgrim vs. the World. So this was a Ooh. movie by Edgar Wright. And it took them about five years to do this. Wow. This had like it had an amazing cast. Michael Sarah, Kieran Culkin, Anna Kendrick, Alison Pill, Aubrey Plaza, Mary Elizabeth Weinstead, Jason Schwartzman, um, Alan Wong, Captain America, Chris P- um Chris Evans. Evans. Mm-hmm. Uh, I almost said Chris Pines. Brandon Roth. Ca- Cap- Brandon Routh, uh yeah. Mae Whitman, Brie Larson. So basically, mm. um, <laughs> It, it it's crazy. Yeah. So this I, I I had a hard time debating whether I should put this movie on because it is a cult film now. Like the people who love it love it, mm-hmm. and the people when it came out, the critics loved it, but no one went to see it. Yeah. That yeah. That's yeah. a sad thing about it. And I think that's a reason to talk about it. You know, because of that. Yeah. So for those that don't know, um, Scott Pilgrim versus the World is about a 22 year old bass player in a band called Sex Mom, and. He, they, it's based in Toronto, which is amazing, being <laughs> yeah. Canadian. And so he meets this girl, uh, Ramona, who's who ends up becoming his girlfriend, and he has to fight her exes to win her love. That's the that's the simplified <laughs> version of the story. But it's it's a wonderful it's a wonderful film. It's so stylistic, yeah. And it really should have been more popular than it than it was. It only made forty about forty seven million in um in the box office on a budget of 85 to 90. Oh man. <laughs> but it has picked up a pretty good cult following since yeah, then. Yeah. Yeah. So it, it has sold a lot on Blu-ray, uh, mm-hmm. DVD and yeah. all those other. Things. I think the, I think the problem is it was a little bit ahead of its time because I think the, the joke of it was um, maybe beyond the scope of, you know, like, the mainstream. I don't think people really quite understood what it was being meta about, you know? Yeah. 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 Meta wasn't really a thing then. Right. Like in 2010, no. Um, but it, it played off all of the, so at the time, all the the people in the cast were underneath, were under 30, except for two people. Mm -hmm. So they, they were really aiming for that age range. And that's sort of what Brian Lee O'Malley, um, he wanted to write a book about 
you know, stuff that he knew. He grew up in Toronto, yeah. so he based it in Toronto. His his sister worked at Second Cup. Her name was Stacy, so he based Scott's sister on his sister. Like yeah. it was all familiar, and it felt familiar for all, a lot of us, like yeah. especially us around the GTA, yeah. because those places exist, and they they actually filmed in all of those places. Oh, that, yeah, yeah. You know, they they did in the book, and it, it's 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 a shame that it didn't do as good as it you know should have. Yeah. Um, I think also they didn't know how to market it too. I mean, that's the thing. Like yeah. the movie is so yeah. unique. Like it's yeah. so delightful. Um, yeah, it is one of those that would be very hard to try to market that film because it's like, how do you say it's like it's a it's a movie that takes place in Toronto, Ontario, Canada, and it kind of has a lot of video game references, but kind of yeah. doesn't. It's like, yeah, I feel like they were they were really pushing the video game thing where they should have just pushed how good the movie was, right? Right. Yeah. If you want the general audience to come, you gotta make sure you're not aiming just for the geeks. Yeah. Yeah. I think they were hoping at the time that, uh, you know, the director's fan following would have followed them to that film, you know, in, yeah. as far as the North American audience, yeah. at least in that, you know, cause you know, with that group. No, even then, like he just had hot fuzz and Shaun of the dead at that time. Yeah. yeah. Um, those two films, while they were very popular, um, they didn't, rake in lots of money like this this That's was true, supposed true. to be like blockbuster level right right they were both very cheaply made and that you know, yeah, yeah exactly yeah and made in the uk where he just got all of his friends to do stuff for him sure. yeah I mean, <laughs> even this film he got a lot of his friends to to work on it um, oh sure yeah so based on what we were talking about it it's pretty true to the to the source material when they started building like building writing the script only two of the books had come out so this mm -hmm. around 2004 2005 yeah he only had two so brian lee o'malley would you know go he was actually a consultant there every day nice and he they they wanted to make sure that everything that was in the that was in the movie felt true to the books mm -hmm. which was great and especially since they didn't know how it ended he had to you know give them a yeah. short um overview of what was going on plus they there are a lot of changes we'll talk about that in, in a couple seconds um and if only sure, yes yeah, only game of thrones had paid attention to that method we could have had a far better ending to that series but that's neither here nor there <laughs> yeah let's yeah. not go down that road <laughs> <laughs> uh, so I, I, i'm just yeah. saying i saw the parallels i could not comment it's true on it. i so, knew that too i wasn't yeah. going to say anything yeah so game of thrones <laughs> took place over many many years right same with Scott Pilgrim. Scott Pilgrim takes course over a year or so. Like they, yeah. they all have birthdays in the comic books, but yeah. the movie takes place over a couple of weeks. So they had to condense it, but they made sure all the, the main points mm -hmm. worked. Uh, Brian Lee O'Malley actually talked about this in the making of documentary. He said that all the changes that were done in to the story in the book were done with such meticulous care that it would feel right in the comic books. So, right. right. Even though the ending's different, it feels right to the characters and to the world. Uh -huh. Yes. Yeah. And, and I think that can only happen when you have like someone you're like playing off ideas, like the, the actual creator of the, the property. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. 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 Then you're not rushing the project to, to mm -hmm. make yeah. mad, mad Disney dollars. Yeah. So, like I said earlier, the, the, the movie came out and it was a critical, um, like hit, like, critics loved it they loved the style they loved all the acting in it and the, the the way they shot it and choreographed everything the audience reception was not there unfortunately mm. but it 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 started off big obviously because of the fans but it didn't it didn't go anywhere unfortunately yeah yeah it was a real shame that movie didn't do as well i mean it has a deserved cult status and that's you know that is true yeah. Um, yeah. yeah and like 
Edgar Wright did so many proper things on this. Like he wanted to shoot it in the Hong Kong style of action. Yeah. And you can see it, like all the choreography is done so you can read everything you can see it they actually put um baby powder on on their body so that whenever they hit each other you could see the the smoke coming off yeah yep. something that you don't really notice but it's just it, it's just it registers yeah. as a hit when you yeah, yeah. it's that attention to detail you know for what he was trying yeah. to do yeah oh, yeah. yeah a little um, nuanced type stuff exactly mm-hmm. edgar wright said that this is his musical <laughs> it's his version of a musical but instead of having a heightened whenever a heightened scene happens and you burst in the song, it would turn into a, like a video game. Very much so. Very much so. I love this movie. So that's why I picked it. And some, one of my favorite film sequences ever is watching Chris Evans, uh, rail grind down the steps of Casa Loma. (laughs) Wow. Yeah. 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 (laughs) Oh, he made it. Poof. Yeah. (laughs) It's all coins. it's so stylistic. Like they, they made it. He cut it like a comic book, and it's, yeah. it's so it's so strange that no, none, none of the like Marvel films or any of the comic book adaptations have taken that that kinetic feel of this movie. Like this movie felt like it was run, like rushing. There like is moving one, forward. There is one that did that, and I wrong. Lee's Hulk. Yeah. Well, yeah. no, not that one. I don't count that one. No, um, Ant Man was the closest that did mm. that, which I mean, given that yeah. Again. was on it originally, you can kind of see his yeah. thumbprint in, yeah. in some of the work on that's that. That's true. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Yeah. That's fair. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I, I think, I think it was, it, it's with the stylistic, like Batman esque, uh, 66 Batman esque, like yeah. kapows and stuff that are oh, yeah. flying out of people's yeah. hands. It's pretty much a, a live action anime slash video game. Yeah, slash. very much. It, it literally is. It's the closest you'll ever see to an actual live action comic book. You'll actually know, um, notice, rewatch it. Uh, if there's a fight going on, they they try to not blink, so it looked like an anime. All the mm-hmm. people on screen wow. would not blink. Yeah. So that, like, but in regular with talking skins, they'd have to blink because you know. Yeah, no, I, no, I, I did notice that. I wasn't sure if I just it was just the way it was edited. It was happenstance or it was intentional. Yeah. That's kind of cool to know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Definitely have to check that out. Yeah. So the ending is different from the comic book to the movie, but they it's sort of the same. Like he ends up with Ramona, but. You know, if you read the comic book, go for it. It's six six copies uh, or six yeah. volumes, and it's wonderful. And now it's in color, so that's cool. Oh, very oh, cool! I didn't know that they uh, they mm. redid it in color. Nice. And, that um, makes sense. Don't forget the original soundtrack. Oh, mm-hmm. the soundtrack is amazing. Right. Um, the songs by that were done by Sex Bomb were done by Beck, and then yeah. all the Crash and the Boys were done by broken social scene i think yeah and then uh metric was clash of demon head wow and the person who was like the music supervisor like the ones making sure all the actors knew how to play their instruments or at least look like they're playing their instruments yeah. was chris murphy of sloan oh so they, wow. just, like, they went all out for them yeah. yeah incredible the guy who was the music producer on the film was like is like this crazy British producer who's worked with like Paul McCartney and like all these other amazing artists. Wow. Okay. Like just, it's, it's crazy. The amount of talent that were that worked on this film. Very cool. Yeah. That really does. Yeah. It's, oh, it just sucks that the movie didn't get the attention it deserves. I mean, yeah. like all yeah. that talent, all that attention, the detail, the craftsmanship. I mean, yeah. Yeah. I think it's like you said, I think it's like you said, the movie was, I think, even though it was 2010, it was just a little bit ahead of its time. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I think if you imagine if now. this came out now, yeah. Yeah. Well, Especially, like, you know, Baby Driver did so well. I mean, like, yeah. this, 
Yeah. Well, so I was yeah. going to say, I think one could argue that something like Scott Pilgrim kind of paved the way for a lot of the movies that came after that. Yeah. Because sure, mm-hmm. sure. People, even if it's like they looked at that and said, okay, we don't want to go quite that far with it, but we're going to go along that vein. And then we see all the stuff that's come since then. It was kind of a pioneering film in its own special for way. For sure. And like Generation Z that's like coming to their own right now, they're the people that really are pushing that whole meta thing, right? Mm-hmm. So this this is totally their their wheelhouse. Yeah. Um, I want to add one more cool little trivia thing. Edgar Wright had to get permission for the, the Zelda Lullaby song yeah. at the beginning of the, <laughs> the movie. So mm-hmm. he wrote to Nintendo and said that it, he considered it the nursery rhyme of our generation, like yeah. of the, that generation, like, um, and that's how they got him. Wow. They were like, <laughs> that's yeah, cool. yeah, yeah, do it. Okay. Um, yeah. So the only way you can really watch Scott Pilgrim versus the world is on Blu-ray. I, I don't think it's on any streaming service right now. It, it was on Netflix for a while, but it's been taken off since then. So it was yeah. on Netflix. It was on prime mm-hmm. and it's off both of them, which sucks. So I, you can buy it on iTunes. You can buy it through the Google play store, but um, I would get a Blu-ray honestly, yeah. like just watch it in the, the highest fidelity you can yeah. because they filmed it so well and it still holds up. Like the graphics still look amazing. You owe it to yourself to have a physical hard copy of that movie. If, if for no other reason than to catch all the, uh, the documentary stuff attached to it, to learn all about um, it. Yes. 100%. Yeah. All right. So next up, Mr. Hawk, what wonderful contribution have you brought to the table? Well, it's, it just came to mind recently because of a new series on HBO on that. So I decided I'd go back to 2009, uh, if I'm correct. It was 2009's Zack Snyder's adaptation of The Watchmen. No. Yes, uh, yeah, yeah, back, yeah. back when his name was like, oh, another Zack Snyder movie? Yeah. Instead of, oh, so another Zack Snyder, Zack Snyder movie. movie. <laughs> I, I want to see the Snyder cut. Absolutely. I don't. It's, it's so weird thinking of Zack Snyder in 2019 versus Zack Snyder in 2009. Yeah. And that, you know, the, the difference 10 years makes. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, this is uh, The Watchmen based on uh, the graphic novel from Alan Moore uh, released back in the 80s with the illustrations by Dave Gibson. Yeah. Yep. A revered dark comic. Very dark. A comic that kind of took on the whole mythology of superheroes in that and contrasted it with, you know, the problems of the world of 1985 in that. And, uh, the history of America building up from the forties and that, and the alternate timeline of the, of the, of the history of America that he built, mm-hmm. you know, the introduction of the mass and the forties and that, that reshaped like the course of America. Yeah. Yeah. No, it's amazing. Cause I think I was probably with the most well-known, but one of the first sort of postmodern takes on the superhero, like yes. as an idea, like very early. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's like, that's like passe now, you know, but yeah, yeah no, very, very early on. Oh no, it was like, even, even going back, like kind of researching, it, it was a genius, like um, story, mm-hmm. you know, oh, absolutely. Uh, and it was, it was beautifully written. I'm a little sad about how Alan Moore has distanced himself from it uh, these days. And that, he distances himself from everything. Everything, yeah. Not everything, yeah. That crazy so, bearded genius <laughs> sort of crazy man. He's sort of the Rorschach of his own story. Yeah. It's true. It's yeah. true. Yeah. I have so uh, many thoughts on Rorschach. We'll, we'll get into it later. I know. So what else to say in that? Uh, it, yeah. Um, I wonder how, like, I remember, I, I knew the comic book when it obviously came out a long, long time ago. And when they started showing the trailers. I was like, Oh, they're, they're hitting that, that tone. And I'm, I'm wondering if it's as bleak. I, I wonder how, if people realize how dark comics got, right. Like going into that, I wonder if they were just thinking it was going to be a superhero film, right. Yeah. Oh, it didn't really happen like that before it. 
There was sort of V for Vendetta, but yeah. Well, and and they kind of advertised it as a superhero film. Like they didn't uh-huh. really like people that it was one of those things that everyone that knew what it was about went, Oh, this looks beautiful. And everyone that didn't know what it was about was like, Oh, this is going to be like a kind of a cool comic book sort of sort of movie. And then watched it and went, Oh my. Yeah. Sure. I remember I, people being like, like when they saw Rorschach in the first trailer, I remember seeing it in theaters People we were like, Oh, it's cool. He's like Batman. I'm like, Oh, you have no idea. So yeah, this is probably another film that suffered from a mismarketing kind of a, but I don't know if there was really ever a way to market it accurately that was going to draw in a mass amount of numbers. And that, uh, I mean, if you go back and watch that trailer, though, it's pretty. It's a pretty cool trailer. I mean, I think yeah, they did yeah. the best they could possibly do. Absolutely. I was really excited when I saw it in that. Yeah. And yeah, they were kind of hoping to capitalize on the comic book successes of the past couple of years behind them. And that, you know, Batman, be, you know, the Batman Begins and uh, the success of the Dark Knight, I think the year before in that, uh, you know. It really should have added up, but it just didn't translate into the numbers that they were hoping for. And that yeah. even with Zack Snyder and the success mm-hmm. of 300 behind him and that, you know, they, it didn't get the return. It's mm-hmm. a long film. So I understand why people can long film. and yeah. not even the extended cut, which I think is great. Yeah. yeah. Well, I think, I think that's kind of what, what hurt it a little bit is that a, a lot of people grew up reading that comic and they were very familiar with the material. And then when you get to the film and you see the, the omissions that they made and the, and the changes that they made a lot of, you know, I know a lot of hardcore fans got very annoyed by the fact that there was a, a pretty significant subplot that they cut out of the movie that they then in the extended cut put back in. Which one? Uh, the, the, the black pirate. sale. Yeah. Oh yeah. Sorry. I've only seen the extended one for such yeah. a long time. Yeah, no, <laughs> I, 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 I was originally going to tackle the director's cut of this, yeah. but then I realized that my, my Blu-ray copy is buried under boxes, buried oh, under yeah. a lot of, oh, lot of no. yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I had to go back to the original theatrical release and that. So, mm-hmm. uh, what was the side, what was the side plot? It was the, the tales of the black, the black. Oh, the tales of the black. Yeah. Freighter. The comic black book, Freighter, with, yeah. the comic book within the comic book. Yeah. 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 It was yeah. beautifully animated for that film. It man. was beautifully animated with um, was it Gerard Butler doing the narration on yeah, it, if I'm not yeah, mistaken? Yeah. yeah. But the movie itself still absolutely phenomenal. For, and I mean, again, kind yeah. of ahead of its time a little bit when it came out, where yeah. I think people weren't prepared for what they were getting into. I don't think they were ready to see like a lot of like t- uh, the topics that they were, you know, tackling on that. You know, oh, phobia yeah. and like racism and yeah. yeah. The, the dread of nuclear war. Yeah. yeah. Right. What'd you, right. what'd you think of the, the, the ending change? I know this is the most controversial point, but again, uh, and I think it made sense for if he was trying to appeal the movie to a broader audience yeah. because I mean yeah. the original ending where in, you know, a, a gigantic squid uh, drops mm-hmm. on New York and that with a, a psionic ray that obliterates 3 million people in the population. Yeah. It, it involved a lot more. It involved a lot more kind of uh, subplot and casting and that. And I, mm-hmm. I think he made a sacrifice there and that. Yeah. I don't mm-hmm. want to say it was. Honestly, it made sense for the movie. It did. You know? yeah. mm-hmm. A lot of yeah. people were very upset about it. I can see why in that. You know. Yeah. Um, yeah. But as far as the movie went, to, it, it made sense. And you know, yeah. I th- I feel it still followed the original point of the ending that that right. never had. Yeah, sure. And it made it a little more personal because instead of it being like a mm-hmm. bring the world together to band against this alien threat, it was a we're going to place the blame on the one person that people are terrified of. You know, when yeah. they refer to Dr. Manhattan as the ultimate nuclear deterrent, and then all of a sudden you create a scenario where everyone becomes afraid of him 
the best way to band everyone together is be afraid of that thing that's out there in the universe. Yeah. Which uh, is a little easier to to wrap your brain around then aliens are coming to get us. Which <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no, I think it's fairly elegant. I mean that, 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 uh, cause as you pointed out, you know, the world changed because of the existence of Dr. Manhattan mm-hmm. and in a way like it, it creates an elegant sort of, uh, opening and an ending, you know, uh, and, and, mm-hmm. you know, utilizing him as sort of like this, this through point, you know? Yes. Um, so no, I, 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 yeah. When I saw that happen, I was like, yeah, you know what? That works, you yeah, know, for yeah. the movie because they didn't set up any of the other, like, you know, like you were saying, Hawk, I mean, there's so many other side like details involved with coming to the comic book ending. Mm-hmm. And, uh, yeah, I thought, yeah, I mean, this is already three hours long and I think it's like the right length, but yeah, go any further. I mean, <laughs> yeah, it's not going to work, you know? So yeah, they had to cut a lot, but I no, I think the essential message of the, of the, mm-hmm. well, I mean, <laughs> more would disagree, but, uh, the essential, <laughs> the essential story that I took away from the graphic novel is, uh, is maintained. Uh, with the way they did it in the movie, mm-hmm. yeah, Absolutely. I thought it was perfectly cast. I, I yeah, the, the, oh yeah, the casting, casting anomaly, fantastic. Yeah. They, they uh, brought those characters fully to life. Like oh, they yeah. were perfect for each of those roles. Yeah, Billy Crudup with that uh, that dry, like young yeah. distance, you know, yeah, yeah, that was perfect. That's, yeah. his, that's yeah. his best role, I think. Yeah, yeah. he's yeah. really good in a uh, untitled, almost famous. Yeah, almost almost famous. famous yeah. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, that's my favorite role of him, and I don't have to see a giant blue penis. So yeah, that was uh, that was a. I remember that was a bit shocking when it first appeared on screen. I was just kind of like that. That was a choice they didn't need to make because they. Uh, Why did I see this on the biggest screen possible? Yeah, they, uh, they didn't have that in the comics, from what I can recall. That's no, not no, no, was he was Vietnam with his dong out. Yeah, yeah I think yeah, so. Okay. Wait, I, did I, he have underpants by that point or not? No, I think he no, did. He lost in, them. Yeah, by that did. point. Did he? He started to become more and more naked over time because he was, became more and more disassociated Just, with yeah, humility yeah. And, and human emotion, right? Yeah. So I don't no, know yeah, if yeah. by Vietnam whether he was at that point. I, I'm not going to lie. I never really analyzed the, uh, the, the page that much because I just <laughs> want to know. Like there's certain yeah, well, things you don't need to see and a giant blue CGI penis is not on that to-do list. <laughs> That's for me, anyways. Other people may may have wanted it, and they, you know, if they're happy with it being correct, that's fantastic, and that's their their I choice. For me, unnecessary. The one change I didn't like, uh, like the violence was uh, pretty crazy in the movie. I'm okay with that. Uh, I think it was a little distracting. Was when Rorschach is telling his story for why he stopped being Kovacs and became Rorschach. And mm-hmm. that it's, it's pretty much exact with the psychiatrist interviewing him. But yeah. when, when he's actually talking about the actual incident, the way he ends up killing the, the serial killer mm-hmm. um, is so much darker in the comic just yes. because he doesn't actually just like, just, I mean, in the movie, it's like a physical, like he like brutalizes the guy and like, you know, mm-hmm. basically smashes his face and chops his face in. Right. Yeah. Which is, which is terrible, of course. But the, the, you know, in the comic, I don't know if we should give it away or not. It's, it's so much more insidious and yeah. so much more cruel, you know, and, and more mm-hmm. unforgiving, you know? And I thought that was, that was the only change that disappointed mm-hmm. me actually. Mm-hmm. As a side note, he still had underpants. Manhattan oh, in okay. Vietnam. Thank you. It okay, was the good. 80s, right? Because <laughs> yeah. of when he was with uh, the, the second Silk Spectres when he started shedding all of that. Right. Yes. 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 Although, to be fair, okay. I would have done the same thing. Just saying. 
Yeah, you know, enough, well, sure enough. <laughs> I wasn't sure if we were talking about killing a serial killer. Yeah, the underpants. Either or. This, why not? Silk Spectre, I would have been no underpants for sure. Yeah, no, no. For, yeah. Yes. You yes. did get to quite a bit of her in the movie. But uh, <laughs> moving away from Big Blue. Don't show your kids this. <laughs> uh, some other great casting choice. Another great casting choice was uh, Jackie Earl ha- uh, Haley. Yes. For, uh, yeah. Absolutely. Uh, he looked the part. You know, oh, and, yeah, absolutely! Like you're really so too. Like yeah. you're really so. Yeah, yeah, I know because you get you, there is that you know that scene that they kind of perfectly captured, and that was his, the scene where he's captured not by the police mm-hmm. when uh, he's set up for a murder he didn't commit, and that yeah, uh, grabbed by the police on the, on the ground, and that, and when they rip mm-hmm. his mask off, and that like a panel to screen, and that from graphic yeah. novel to the yeah, thing, perfect. It really does. You know? And that again goes back to you know, what I was saying when we were talking about 300, where Snyder is very good. I, I mean, across his career, he's been very good at recreating comic images on screen almost mm-hmm. perfectly. He even did uh, a bit in uh, Batman v Superman. Yeah. There were yeah, certain the, images that he pulled from source comics where you could, like, you yeah. recognize that frame. Yeah, the Dark yeah. Knight Rises Dark jump. Oh, yes. man. Yeah. So good. Yeah. Yeah. Dark so Returns. Will, yeah. Whether you like him, love him, or hate him as a as a filmmaker and a storyteller, he is brilliant at recreating those images yeah. on screen. He, he's visually such a good director. I just mm-hmm. like writing it's, it's, is not it's, a strong point. His filmmaking yeah. is great. His storytelling is not. Yeah, yeah. yeah. sucker uh, punch. Been, I think, yeah, it's yeah. been a weird problem for him. Like th- that's plagued him throughout his career, and that <sighs> even following this, I mean, he's yeah. done such big projects. Yeah, as so long as someone else so does bad. it. Exactly. As long as yeah. someone gives him something like Dawn of the Dead, oh, it's so good. You know, like yeah. I love the original, but his his version is very good too. You know. Yeah. Oh, it and stands then, on its uh, own. Yeah. Yeah, and then he does his own thing with sucker punch. And, oh man. I don't know. Doesn't. I basically you know, stole, I, he stole the ending from Brazil yeah. for that movie. I, I don't want to go into that because I, yep, I yep, like yep, that yep. movie. That's me, but that's just it's a personal thing on that yeah. one. But yeah, no, I agree with you that he he he's he is the kind of filmmaker that does need to have uh, a bit of leash put on him just to to keep things shaped properly. Yeah. Now, now, should we talk about? The TV show about well, the Watchmen. I kind of, right. really I don't know. Like, it, it feels like that. it's connected, especially right now. Like, mm-hmm. oh, I yeah. wonder because because of the popularity of the the movie or the not popularity of the movie. I wonder, and the the HBO series is super popular right now. I wonder mm-hmm. where that audience is coming from. Um, and it's more based on the comic. Well, but, I, but with stylistic things of yeah. the movie, right? Well, like yeah. I was saying, I think again, it it comes more to the fact that we've had a decade now of comic book films that I think people are are more open to looking at another comic property whether it be a TV series another film what have you mm-hmm. that that was it was still there a bit when the movie came out but it was just it was in its early stages yeah and they like, were still very hit or miss whether the comic movie was going to be good or not well Iron Man was only like a year before Watchmen right yeah yeah that's crazy to think and of. I think yeah and I people know. still were remembering uh Ang Lee's Hulk yeah, fair, yeah. fair. Yeah, and, and fair enough. The next, very next year, two thousand nine, was uh, the Incredible Hulk, which yeah, it was a bad year for comic book films. Too. I like the Incredible Hulk. I like that too. Yeah. Um, but, but yeah, it was still like comic book, comic books as a, a cinematic property were was still very new, and it was like eh, it might be good, it might be crap. We don't know yet. Yeah. I, I don't know if you noticed this, Hawk. In the, I, I don't know if anyone else is watching the Watchmen series. I know me and Hawk talk about it weekly. Mm. Um, they're doing a lot of the visual stylings of Zack Snyder in yeah. the in the HBO show without having him part of the show, mm. um, yeah. which is really interesting, right? Because this doesn't it doesn't 
come off of any of the released sequel properties of the yeah. Watchmen that DC has done over the last couple of years, right? Uh, which are not really good from for like my opinion. Mm-hmm. Um, but what they're doing with the TV show is just phenomenal, and yeah. it's giving me some you know U.S. history that I never knew actually existed. <gasps> Always cool. Oh, oh yeah, I that when I after watching that first episode and then like kind of reading the synopsis of it and yeah. then like that was real you sent me a oh. message you're like i can't believe that actually happened i was like what i think i was looking at an ign review of it and that's like the that they have the black wall street massacre yeah oh man brutal oh yeah. yeah there's a lot of uh very interesting little historic tidbits that not everyone likes to remember mm-hmm. yeah mm-hmm. but i wonder I if know. that's why some of this is resonating too right is yeah. because people are going like you know what it's actually tied into the kind of tied into the real world right like it's not oh yeah it's not a gotham it's not a metropolis it's not no. a, you know it's 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 tied into things that have actually occurred and so oh, yeah and this is what the show has been doing really well because they said it like present day you know 2019 mm-hmm. and that they're nice. tackling like you know domestic terrorism they're tackling white nationalism yeah oh man uh, the the political like undertones of the show based on the politics in the states is incredibly well sure. done oh uh, man i like they they started writing this a couple of years ago so mm-hmm. just yeah. as trump got into office right so <laughs> yeah. so they Cold were really they had really a whole bunch just, of material ready yeah, yeah exactly it's crazy <laughs> but the writing still hues so close to the 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 intent and style of alan moore and that Which is uh, good like, each episode, you know, tends to like I've I've noticed each episode tends to focus on a different character in that. Uh, uh-huh. This week we we got a real you know, insight into one of the main characters of the show, uh, played by Tim Blake Nelson. Uh, he's called Looking Glass. Such nice. a character. Uh, yeah, and uh, yeah, we find out his, it was his it was entirely his origin story in that, and nice. uh, a, kind of a, cool. a real. A real motivational shift happens in the sh- in the episode. I don't want to say anything for the guys catching up on that. Oh, for those fans of the comic book, the beginning of this, the third episode, wait, fifth episode? Yeah, it's fifth, fifth no. episode. Yeah. Is so like such a love letter to the original comic book. It's incredible. Nice. Mm-hmm. It's so good. You guys, yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh, man. Yeah. yeah, I mean, I think that's the quintessential detail though right i mean it, it yeah. is something that like they're taking advantage of the fact that the original comic was set in the real world with like mm-hmm. a slight divergence mm-hmm. and uh and just yeah continuing with that and yeah they really respect the film and the original source material in such a way i mean obviously this is like years later but inspired you know inspired mm-hmm. people who like recognize like the impact of that comic on their lives and their creativity Absolutely. you know yeah. getting this chance so mm-hmm and there was always, and we've been having some debate about, you know, the, the approach he took to heroes and that uh, uh-huh. the only hero in the series who actually has pow- actual definable powers was Dr. Manhattan. Yeah, that, right. Uh, and yet all of them were extraordinary in some sort of physical way. Uh, yeah. I had a debate a bit with Eric about Adrian Veidt. I believed he was the fastest man in the world in that. Uh, I thought he was just the smartest. He was was the fastest too. Um, But Eric Eric had pointed out that a lot of that was also like him smart enough to know know how to break an opponent down. Yeah, yeah. I I think he was like. I feel he wasn't superhuman. Yeah. He wasn't superhuman. He just trained his bi- mind and his body. Yeah. I mean, you could say it's all intelligence if you want. I mean, that 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 works too. But my understanding was he trained his mind and his body, you know, to as the highest 
perfection. That well, I, I feel like I, I might be wrong. because It's been a while since I've read that, but I feel like at near the end of the book, when he's talking with uh, Rorschach at all, he talked about the fact that he's not, he's not the strongest and he's not the fastest, but he's able to think like the person he's fighting. And therefore it seems mm-hmm. like he's moving faster than he mm-hmm. is because he knows what they're going to do before they do it. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. No, that's yeah. basically what Eric was saying. Yeah. 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 Pretty much. Um, yeah. So looking at his, character page his abilities are genius intellect martial arts lightning quick reflexes mass psychology and business management that's his last superpower yeah (laughs) yes severely lacking in some people in the real world so it is it is an actual ability yeah oh very much so (laughs) well we're really looking forward to see where the series goes and i'm glad that it's it's finally like as eric pointed out a lot of the stuff that came out after alan moore wasn't involved which was immediately Mm -hmm. uh in the (laughs) comics were really bad i mean that was just basically dc got a hold of the comic series and they tried to milk it right like really hard by creating all these like superfluous sequels and prequels so i'm really glad to see that TV show is a is a true love letter to the original work Excellent. and not like just more like I mean would you agree Hawk like yeah yeah it, I, it, like it it mines the source material you know it advances it you know to our age and that but like nice. you're gonna see appearances by you know some very familiar characters when you oh. tune into this cool. oh and it's like it it respects and builds upon that world yep. right it feels <laughs> it doesn't feel out of place yeah which, you know some like sequels that aren't made by the original creators they're just like okay that sort of feels the same but not really yeah no sure i can i can name many but this one feels right like it feels feels genuine it does but so i think then to to answer the quintessential question who watches the watchman anyone that liked the original comic Mm. anyone who likes who who loves that (laughs) hbo type of uh show i think is is bound to love this show it's a good fit it's Mm -hmm. a good fit for them excellent All right, so then next up, Mr. Steve. Oh, we're gonna keep this train a rolling. I'm Mr. Now. That's not good. Oh, you're uh, <laughs> so my choice for this week was V for Vendetta. Sort of funny. Uh, a couple weeks ago, uh, I went to see the uh, you know when uh, the stuff in real life Hong Kong was starting to fall apart. I went to see uh, uh, Joker. Great movie. Didn't really make me feel much better about real life. <laughs> and then uh, and now for this week's episode, I, I rewatched uh, V for Vendetta, which I was like, yeah, that was a that was a really good comic book to movie translation. And then then I got to watch it again. And I'm like, wow, you know, it's funny. The movie uh, was um, the screenplay was done by the Wachowski um, brothers, uh, sisters, uh, at the time, brothers. The Wachowskis. Wachowskis. Yeah. The Wachowskis, I think we can just go down. Um, and uh, <laughs> they, uh, they changed it enough that uh, Alan Moore wanted nothing to do with it, as is the case with all of his uh, movies. And uh, they kind of altered it from... Uh, Alan Moore hated Margaret Thatcher. Um, just hated her. And uh, so that was actually what the original V for Vendetta was, was about. It was about Thatcherism. Um, but uh, the Wachowskis changed it to uh, kind of a critique on the Bush era because uh, it was uh, right after 9-11. And uh, yeah, the Patriot Act was running amok and uh, that was kind of where they took it. And um, it's, it's amazing because at the time I was watching, I was like, oh, this is obviously a reaction, you know, to uh, world police, you know, uh, situation happening. But then to watch it now and just like go, wow, it's relevant again. Like, I can't believe it, you know, like I thought that was done and over with and it was kind of a fun, you know, movie 
which, you know, spawned like a cool mask that, you know, everyone wears as a symbol now of, you know, resistance. And now it's, you know, it's, it's, it's all like relevant again, all of a sudden. So I don't know. It wasn't a good, yeah. wasn't a good uh, thing to review. <laughs> <laughs> it's interesting that the, that V mask has been like, or the guy yes. Fox mask has been in like real life now as resistance. Yeah. And if we go back to the Watchmen, the Rorschach mask is used as resistance yeah, in its well. universe, mm-hmm. which, yeah. which I'm wondering yeah. now with the TV show, whether it's going to start to take on another life too. Like, I wonder if that's it. It's it. It's the main plot of right. the TV show. No, what yeah. I mean is the because Rorschach. it's again being used oh, in media popular? and the yeah. TV show is starting to become popular, whether it's going to become like a second, like Guy Fox type situation yeah. in yeah. real life. I have seen it used more like when we were at i don't know if you saw it at eglx but there were people there in Russia. oh yeah i missed that um, with the moving Um, ink ones the moving ones yeah with the with the heat ink um it's really it it looks Mm. cool it's just seeing it is unsettling yeah (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) even seeing like the guy fox mask like just out and about yeah yeah Yeah, it's taken on like a real life sort of loaded Mm -hmm. uh, element to it um So I don't really know what to say about that. Uh, I guess we were comparing the comic, you know, Watchmen to the movie. Um, this uh, comic is actually quite different from the movie. I, I mean, other than like Alan Moore's misgivings about, you know, how they changed all the politics, all the characters are, are actually quite different. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I, you know, I was discussing this before the show. I do think that the film, though, is a very valid and solid you know, piece of storytelling. Like I think it's an excellent film by any measure. And uh, yeah, it updates a lot of things and it changes a lot of things, which may or may not be unforgivable, but I think, you know, (laughs) taken apart, they're both very good stories, but the movie definitely streamlines the story. I mean, there's a lot of characters that aren't there. There's a lot of elements that aren't there, but I still think it's a fairly tight and a fairly uh, uh, motivating and, and effective story. So I'm not really sure what else to say beyond that. Other than that, yeah, the comic is actually drastically different. So I don't <laughs> yeah. know whether I'd actually recommend it because if you like the movie, you might not like the comic actually. But I mean, the essential story is pretty much the yeah. same. I, say, I wouldn't say it's, it's true to the yes. feeling, right? Yes. And but, there are there are certain major plot points that they do yes. carry through. It just the way they get to those points is yeah. different in the movie than it is in the comic. Yeah, I guess the the fundamental difference is V in the movie as well as Evie are played as more sympathetic and mm-hmm. obviously heroic characters, whereas in the comic mm-hmm. everything's very ambiguous. V is very ruthless. Mm-hmm. And and his his murdering of people in the comic is actually more akin to murder as than you know mm-hmm. him you know doing what he needs to do to save society. <laughs> yeah. So was wasn't the comic book V more like an anarchist yeah, than like a exactly. fighter? Yeah, that that's that's why Moore doesn't really like the the movie because it's turned it into kind of an American centric political like liberals yeah. versus you know fascists type thing. Whereas yeah. it was more mm-hmm. it was more anarchist versus governance right that was really more the plot you know so Mm -hmm. yeah there are some thematic significant thematic differences but but no i agree i think the essential quality of the story is still there and i i love the movie i think it's an excellent film did it do well in theaters when it came out i can't remember yeah i think it's one of the ones that actually did okay and especially Mm -hmm. because yeah everyone does wear the mask now It, uh, it it i think it did relatively well i didn't check this yeah, it grossed 132 million worldwide. World, yeah, overall. Yeah. So US, it made 70 million. Yes. Yeah. 
but the budget was only 54 million. Yeah. So, yeah. so it's still yeah. turned to profit. That's, yeah. Yeah. It's yeah. Still profitable. Yeah. It's yeah. still profitable, and which is more than we can say for some of these other movies we've been talking about. Absolutely. A lot of them. The, the Metacritic is not good for yeah. this. No. Though, unfortunately. 62% mm. yeah. based on 39 reviews. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. I, I remember the audience loving yes. this film. Like when I saw it, the whole yeah. audience was cheering. And yeah. Stuff. Oh, yeah. And that could have been because it was on midnight screening right right back when they had midnight yeah but i mean back, I guess, back when midnight screenings were rare as opposed to oh it's just what we do now yeah yeah they don't even do midnight screenings now right don't don't they just release it the day before yeah yeah, just, yeah. yeah. You're, you're people are tired it. now <laughs> like me <laughs> our movie going audience is in bed at that time yeah <laughs> we're getting old <laughs> um we'll we'll put out that one little factoid that you guys brought up uh the voice of v of course is um Hugo Weaving, uh, and of course he's his eloquence, uh, because you never actually uh, see these face. It's just always the mask, uh, so it's all is through his voice and the visual je- gestures of the actor. But originally, uh, he wasn't actually the right. Um, it was James Purfoy, who yes. was the original voice actor. Yeah. He quit after about six weeks on the project. Right. So what happened so, with that? Do you know? No, not that I, I haven't really read into it. They, I just know that I don't remember them making a, a do a big to do as to why he left. Just that he left the project yeah yeah it's yeah. not really clear and then they're just like wachowskis were like who who would have a good voice oh like, we're friends with someone who's, yeah. who's yeah. awesome yeah. we just yeah. worked with him Hugo yeah. <laughs> Weaving's an awesome kind of quasi villain mm-hmm. yes it, it would be interesting to hear the original yes. people who played me because there were two guys who who are v like it wasn't the same person all the way through right but i would you know when you see those star wars behind the scenes yeah. and you hear david prowse actually talking <laughs> and you're just like i would not be able to act against no. that yeah. <laughs> it would be nice to hear what v sounded like on thing because yeah way after they had yeah, he came in. He came in during post. Yeah, just watch Resident Evil. Yeah, you'll know what he sounds like, right? That's true. Yeah, <laughs> that kind of feel. Yeah, <laughs> or Rome, whatever. Rome's yeah, probably yeah. Yeah, Rome's a better one. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, Rome is probably the better choice. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So that's uh, yeah. In case you didn't know, that was another uh, Alan Moore. He just he just writes cinematic type stories very well, or at least very stories that I guess have enough complexity. Mm-hmm. And enough flair and twists that uh, they make for yeah. interesting film. He also does sure. love to focus, uh, especially a lot of his plots on 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 an antihero. Sure. Yeah, he he's a big proponent of the antihero. Mm-hmm. Yeah, part of me thinks I should have just picked another Alan Moore property. Yeah, we kind of <laughs> ended up with a lot of Alan Moore. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. See, what's funny? I almost switched mine last minute, and I was like, "No, I'll stick with the one I was going to do originally." But I'll give a shout out to the other one I was going to do after the fact. We'll probably do this again because there's just so many great comic books that, that people really don't is. may not know are you know movies that are based mm-hmm. on comics and so yeah but next time we're going to do a hard like no alan moore no dc no, no alan moore. we should just do all alan moore okay well i'm going to call uh, league of extraordinary gentlemen which was the movie that made alan moore just say no more i do not yeah. care about movies ever again and yeah. also force that director and sean carney to quit the uh, film entirely so, and yeah. then and then we'll do Constantine right after. Oh, <laughs> oh, no. wow. I like that movie a lot. Oh. <laughs> I know you do. I, I like the movie. I don't like it as a as a John Constantine movie. Sure, no, it's so a good that's fair. It's that's a great fair. Keanu Reeves movie that happens to be called Constantine. I love Keanu. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 
<laughs> and Shia LaBeouf was surprisingly good. Well, in that it. one I think was the start of the, of the Keanu songs as well, too. Uh, was it not? Did I don't anyone think it was, see that movie? I don't think anyone did. That's no, I don't thing. think anyone I, I did. did. I saw that movie a couple that. times in theaters. I love that movie. Yeah, but, but I don't I, think it was big though. That was a thing. It it it, it, it didn't do well. Yeah. In, but it, it has enough of a cult following that they want to do a sequel um, really? like, to his movie. Really? Oh, but I like the TV John Constantine so much He's better. amazing, right? He's yeah. perfect. Yeah. yeah. Anyway, we're way He's off topic cool. now. Sorry. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> That's okay, though. So uh, now, next up is me. Um, I meant yay. And uh, no, it's okay because I'm actually gonna go. I'm gonna go off type, and I am gonna talk about another Alan Moore property. <gasps> what? It is yes, an Alan Moore episode. But is it, is it Constantine? No, it's not. <laughs> But oh. this one is far more obscure, and I guarantee a lot of people did not, and probably still do not realize that this was, in fact, based on a comic book. Mm. Uh, I'm going to be talking about 2001's movie From Hell. Ah. Uh, directed, uh, by this the, movie. directed by the Hughes brothers, uh, based off the graphic novel by Alan, or it wasn't a graphic novel, it was a serialized comic that became a graphic novel called yeah. uh, by Alan Moore. That deals with a uh, a hypothesis for the uh, Jack the Ripper, the culprit of the Whitechapel murders and the Jack the Ripper case. Mm. Um, it's um, it mostly stayed true to the material in so much as it was a kind of a fixed story that they couldn't really change too much. Uh, they certainly kept the uh, the the ultimate culprit was the same in the graphic novel as it was in the movie, and I'm not gonna spoil that for those that may have not have seen this movie i, I per, i'll admit personally i was a fan of the movie i thought it was kind of a cool concept but mm. i did like that knowing nothing about the fact that it was a comic beforehand and then afterwards i found I'm like oh it's a comic and i read that and went wow they changed everything <laughs> <laughs> really did yeah. well, the yeah. title's they, the same the title's the same and certain character names are the same mostly because they're based off historic figures because oh, yeah. you can't mess those up right <laughs> The graphic novel was way darker than the movie. Yeah. Yeah, but I would say like the, the, the plot points were roughly the same, although they changed the order of some things. They changed, you know, added characters. They took characters out. Well, they cut out about two-thirds of the comic, actually. They cut out a lot yeah. of the, the stuff dealing with... Uh, Many other the, the players. The culprit that was Jack the Ripper and all the, the stuff that that, that individual was, was going through, yeah. which kind of gives you a, a clearer picture of why they thought they were justified in doing what they were doing mm -hmm. and again that, it was very similar to uh to what it was done with v for vendetta where they kind of took the story and streamlined it mm -hmm. and gave you like the major plot points but they cut out a lot of the beautifully written uh side material which makes it such a compelling read mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. well i don't know if i'd say that about v i mean i yeah I, i'll you know being honest i mean that side material it, it kind of goes in a lot of different directions so i don't know if sure. it's it's beautiful, but it's well, not beautiful. I don't yeah, mean, I mean it, it makes the read very compelling. Yeah, you want to keep yeah. seeing what's going. I just be beautiful as a descriptor because it, it yeah. makes it great. It makes what make what's what makes that story great. Yeah, from hell have, though, I would agree. Like uh, that side material is very compelling and, and very much really so. ramps up. You know the situation. Yeah, but yes. Yeah, so like I said, it was. Um, I mean, critically, uh, it got a lot of praise when it came out. Critics Did loved it? it? I thought I thought yeah. it was sort of like half and half. It was it was more towards the positive than it was yeah, negative. Uh, Siskel and Ebert gave it two thumbs up. Um, well, uh, Leonard Malton gave it uh, <laughs> three out of five, which again for him is high praise. <laughs> a lot, a lot, of, a lot of critics really, really liked the stylistic tones of it. Yeah, it was, I, I mean, two thousand one. It was one of. I mean, arguably, it was 
one of the first comic book movies of the of the new millennium that most people didn't realize was a comic book movie but since they yeah. took a lot of stylistic elements but i mean that was also did. when like johnny depp could do like no wrong right that was yes. when it, no that he was just coming back off of chocolate yeah. right yeah so that, that was his renaissance yeah it was when sure. he was, it was perfect because yeah. he played a stone guy so i mean yeah, yeah. <laughs> which was and that was the one things i did some reading because like i said alan moore was never a fan of any of his works being adapted the biggest complaint that he had from this movie because he said he liked the tone they took with it uh-huh. and he liked the stylization he hated the fact that they turned uh Inspector Aberline, who was played by Johnny Depp in the film, into, and I'm going to quote this, I actually want to quote this correctly, um, because it makes me laugh. Um, Hold on, let me just find it. Criticism by writer. Uh, Criticized the replacement of his gruff version of Frederick Aberline with an absinthe-swilling dandy with no fashion sense. I just heard that. That's hilarious. So I'm like, wow, that's the cattiest reaction to a character change ever. But again, it's true in the in the comic, Aberline is a gentleman who's in his you know yeah. late 40s, early 50s. He's kind of rotund, you know, gruff, grumpy. Just yeah. kind of doesn't like anything. He doesn't and even show up until like the last third. He's not that yeah. important. So yeah. Yeah. to make him the main character, I can see him turn into annoyed. this, you know, like this youthful, like you know. But yeah. why is the rum gone? Except not that, but it was the prototype for a lot of what he did later on. And yeah, in that character, and is him the, learning his British accent? Yeah. Oh, yeah. you get to see Heather Graham do a British accent. Oh goodness. Actually, oh, yeah, that, was, yeah. that was rough. Yeah. Um, this is rocking at fifty-seven percent on. <laughs> Rotten Tomatoes. Wow. Yeah. Ian um, Holm is the only reason to watch that. He is so absolutely. good. Ian Holm is so Yeah. Coltrane was good. Coltrane was right. good. He, he played a good Robbie Coltrane. The British yeah, actors they had in this film were fantastic. Yes. Yes. Well, they they always... I mean, yeah. that's all you need to do, make anything like ridiculous to, to yeah. a sensible film. Like grab two venerable British actors like Star Wars, X-Men, <laughs> suddenly yeah. they yeah. work. Otherwise, yeah. if you didn't have them, they'd be crap. Exactly. exactly. But I mean, ultimately, I mean, the movie made uh, $74.5 million worldwide against a $35 million budget. Right. Mm-hmm. So, and I mean, it did uh, 31.6 domestically. So, I mean, yeah, it, it did a pretty good job for uh, a, arguably a real chancy piece of material in 2001. Yeah, fair enough. Yeah. I haven't seen this recently. Does it still hold up today? It does. Yeah, it's not bad. Much so. I mean, I've it's, watched um, it a few times since. It's and- really funny because I, wa- I watched it again and I sat there and I went, wow, Guy Ritchie stole a lot of concept material for Sherlock Holmes. Mm. <laughs> yeah. Interesting. No, just, but like this, yeah. uh, like, like framing and the way that shots were set up and a lot of like the, the, especially the, uh, the um, opium sequences. Were stuff I love those sequences. It's stuff that you see that he, like they're definitely nods to if not outright theft of in the interesting <laughs> fair yeah I think, that's oh, go ahead i was gonna say i was just gonna say that i think that uh this movie kind of was a bit of a renaissance for people too to get back into this whole jack like ripper yes yeah. you know mythos again and, and trying yeah. to figure out you know who actually did it i mean i, I yeah. read um the patricia crom cromwell i think she had a book out on it, yeah. it was her different Mm-hmm. proof of how they came up with whoever so it's just oh, kind of exactly yeah right so uh, i think this was one of those catalysts to get people mm-hmm. back into it well and that's Definitely. the thing i mean it is one you know it is one of the greatest unsolved mysteries of the modern era is you know who was jack the ripper 
There was a claim recently in that that they have found some sort of a DNA proof that it, it was. I I can't even remember the article on that, but there was some sort of proof came out recently in that mm-hmm. uh, saying that they had conclusively found like Jack the Ripper, but none of them really made any sense when I read. It. No, they, I mean they've always they always find something when they find something to disprove it or discount it. It's it'll forever remain a mystery. This this movie at least gives you uh, as plausible an excuse as anything. No. Yep. Or not an excuse, but as plausible uh, a theory. I uh, I missed that uh, the the Batman episode. Of course, did anyone bring up uh, Gotham by Gaslight? No, no, no we which didn't, is which is the Jack the Ripper crossing into Batman. Oh. Anyway, yeah. they made a horrible animated movie about it. They oh, did. That's right. That was very recent, and it was bad. Okay, good to know. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. The the DC animated movies, mm-hmm. like we've mentioned in the past, yeah, have gone really slide. slide. Yeah, yeah. I don't so remember much. the last good one. I'll jump on the segue train on this one. The one thing that I do wish that they would adapt, even if it's a even if it's a questionable DC animated movie, is if they were to do speeding bullets just once for me. <laughs> yeah, it's my favorite adaptation, and it took me forever to find that comic, and I'm so glad I have it. I have it too. I got it after I think you suggested. I did. That I, I th- read yeah, because I was real. I was real happy for it for a while. For um. I mean, you know what? I'm going to segue on this. I don't even care because we talked about this in the last episode. So we'll just keep that train going. Speeding Bullets is a, it's an Elseworlds spinoff. It basically posits the what would happen if Clark Kent landed in Gotham as opposed to oh. Smallville. And he's and so, you know, Kal-El is raised by Thomas and Martha Wayne. Mm-hmm. And his powers first manifest when they get killed. Yeah. Oh, so you have a Batman that has all the powers of Superman. Hmm. It's so well done, especially when they bring yeah. Lex Luthor into it. Yeah. To go back off of what Hawk just said about the yeah. recent DNA, it was actually this year yet. Yeah, what um Hawk said, and that pointed to this is what this article says mm-hmm. is that the DNA points to Aaron Kosminski, a 23 year old Polish barber <laughs> and one of the prime suspects mm-hmm. at the time. Yeah, but this isn't the first time they've done DNA. Um, yeah, so yeah, it's always been. You know, well, they say barber, a different person, but the term barber had a lot of different applications back in the Victorian era. Yeah, <laughs> lots yeah. of bleeding. That's why yeah. the swirl, right? Yeah. yeah, they were. They were. Yeah, they had medical expertise as well yeah. as haircutting. You know. Oh yeah, well, because they were dentists and barbers, and they fixed bones and all that, all that fun stuff. Leeches for days. Oh god. Yeah. <laughs> no, that's what the doctors did with the leeches. Yeah, but yeah, so it's, there's tons of theories. Again, it'll never be a thing that'll be conclusively proven, I think, because there was, they also, it was at a time where they didn't really care about stuff like retaining evidence. It's like, <laughs> sir, there's a big pool of blood over here. Hmm, gross. Now, back to my hunch. <laughs> Had to throw a John Mulaney quote in there, but it's still effective to this day. So yeah, so that's my my entry into this, this, this deep dive. And now we're going to finally close it off with, I think, Arguably the most popular film out of this lineup that we've brought forward. Mm-hmm. Um, Probably. Mm-hmm. It did spawn a lot of lot of sequels and <laughs> TV series. <laughs> Far too many sequels, none of which were good. No. The second one, no, 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 you're right. No. <laughs> the second one, the only redeeming factor was Iggy Pop, and that should tell you something. I was going to say that. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Although, interestingly enough, Iggy Pop was originally the first choice to be fanboy. Yeah, does not surprise me. Fun boy doesn't surprise me at all. Uh, but he couldn't do it because he was touring or something. So yeah. yeah, he was touring at the time. I remember that. Yeah. All right. So, Mr. Gus, before we go into, it, I'm going to give you a quick impression right now. Call, call, bang, fuck, I'm dead. 
Thank you for that editing thing for me. You're welcome. Exactly. <laughs> From the best, in my opinion, anyways, the best movie. Uh, this is my fanboy movie. So The Crow has been my favorite since it came out in 94. I remember sitting on my couch on, I guess it would have been April Fool's Day, 1993, finding out that Brandon Lee was killed mm. while he was filming oh, it. Yeah. And uh, my dad told me, and I like literally broke down. Like I, which is so weird because it's an actor. Like who cares, right? But I was so stoked for this this movie, mm-hmm. um, you know. So anyway, uh, the Crow, uh, based on uh, James O'Barr's graphic novel that my kids bought me, the brand new one. Oh wow! wow. For Hardcover. That's nice. beautiful. It is. It's uh, fantastic. The story is very close. They've changed, obviously, the sequence around a little bit uh, for some of it. Uh, they've given some of the characters a little bit more name, a little bit more flesh, if you will. But from a movie standpoint, I mean, it really did well at the box office, considering it had a, I think it was a $23 million budget. It did $50 mm-hmm. million at the box office. Now, a lot of that uh, was probably based on the fact that Brandon Lee was killed and they didn't mm-hmm. decide to release it. Uh, there was a big to-do for a while. They weren't going to do anything with it. They were just going to shelve it. Yeah. Um, they decided to try and use computer technology to try and fill in the gaps. They've done most of the principal photography. So um, it scored 84% on Rotten Tomatoes for the most part. Uh, I think most of the audience scores were around 90% for it. So Mm -hmm. it's been a fan favorite movie for quite some time. Mm -hmm. Uh, It did spawn, like you guys mentioned, quite a few spinoff or sequels, (laughs) which... Went nowhere. Mm-hmm. <laughs> weren't even worth the yeah. film they were filmed on, Damn in my Lord. opinion. But mm-hmm. uh, the TV show was kind of weird. Um, yep. I don't know how you can drag out, I don't know, a graphic novel into a TV series. Um, yeah. Oh, they tried. Oh, yeah. <laughs> uh, remember RoboCop, the TV series? So, RoboCop was all right, at least. It, yeah. it makes sense. You can yeah. make a serial. But, of well, them, right? but that was only, it was only four episodes, right? So that doesn't even really count. Yeah. It was like four short movies, right? Like I don't know. Yeah. I don't yeah so, yeah. but um, again, it's a, it's one of those, I think that most people, I think most people knew about it, but again, I think they knew about it because of what had happened to Brandon Lee. Mm -hmm. Right. Um, So, uh, but I think the the overall story arch is, is pretty, you know, pretty cool in that, you know, it gives you an opportunity to come back and avenge when something bad goes wrong. Mm. Um, But uh, let's see here. What else do I have in in way of changes? Like, oh, sorry. Go, go ahead, Eric. No, I was just gonna say that this movie was so influential to our generation. Yes, absolutely. Like the essential nineties. Like we were grunging at that time. Yeah, this was my first introduction to a lot of the music that I ended up Mm. loving. I didn't know about the cure before this. Like I, I, I didn't, I didn't know about stone double pilots. Right. I didn't yeah. know about nine nails. nails. Yeah. Like no. this is my introduction to a lot of the things I love yeah. at this time of my life. And you know, the music that has continued to influence me in everything I do. Right. Mm. Yeah. Like such a, such a, such a good mix of media at this time. Oh yeah. 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 Oh, absolutely. I um I remember when it came out, um, lining up to go see it. It was the first time since probably Star Wars that I lined up for something, you know, right to go away for it. I think that it's unfortunate that they kind of cut certain pieces out, like this whole skull cowboy storyline isn't mm-hmm. in 
the movie, uh, mm. but it doesn't take away from it, which is kind of neat. I think a lot of times when they cut storylines out, you tend to go, oh, I really wish that would have been there. But this year, it's just, I think it's because of where it comes from. I mean, James O'Barr went through some pretty tragic stuff mm-hmm. you know, for this to come to life. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think it's kind of neat that it kind of takes a life of its own. But yeah, this is, I think, I mean, it's one of those that, again, the storyline's kind of pretty close to the graphic novel. Uh, the sequence has changed a little bit. Uh, top dollar's not really the main villain in the book. Whereas, mm-hmm. you know, but like all uh, Officer Albrecht has a bigger role in the movie, those kind of things. Mm-hmm. But ultimately, it's really, I mean, if you have a chance to read the graphic novel, by mm-hmm. all means do it. It's such yes. a beautifully drawn novel um mm-hmm. but the cinematography from watching the crow was just it was it was dark but not too dark it was yeah yeah you know, the action was so um i don't even know what the word is like it was just so primordial maybe like that's yeah just, you yeah. know like it was that that feeling of just like rage you know and yeah. it wasn't martial arts but there was mm-hmm. some but it was you know mm-hmm. i mean it was brandon yeah. lee his presence really coming into his own yeah, you know? yeah. And, and it's unfortunate that that's the tragedy that kind of follows the movie, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I, I think uh, you really nailed it. Like, and what Eric was saying, I mean, it, it really was a culmination of that that time. You know, like the the timing of the comic book, and then for it to be made like at that time as well mm-hmm. with the music, and and I think you know, even though it was you know this film that sort of came about in these sort of tragic circumstances, it was a seminal movie for that style. Cause I think the mm-hmm. style extended mm-hmm. well into the decade, you know, like everybody oh, yeah. was sort of copying a lot of the look mm-hmm. and they were trying to copy the feel and the soulfulness of it. Mm-hmm. But I don't know that they ever really quite managed to get that purity, you know, of, of yeah. how it came across in the crow. No, mm-hmm. exactly. I have a question for everyone here. Mm-hmm. How many of us dressed up as the crow for one of the Halloween? <laughs> like all yeah. of us, right? No, I just have the sting. Do. No, just <laughs> <laughs> I had friends who dressed up like that for going to concerts. So around that time, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. that would have been unnerving. <laughs> going to watch the Backstreet Boys dressed like that probably wasn't very cool. Like. <laughs> <laughs> Um, <laughs> oh, oh amazing i'll show myself oh. out <laughs> um, yeah it, it, it's it's funny like the, those two years like 93 94 was such a rough year like for like our idols like or at least like that was that was when like kurt cobain died too mm-hmm. right so mm-hmm. there was a lot of like i i feel like our generation was really down at that time yeah. Right? And this well, there's sort of a like, lot of these like young up and coming celebrities that had all this potential and everyone was really excited for, and then their lives just got cut short so tragically that it yeah. kind of pulled everyone out of the sort of consumerist idealization of the eighties into the, the harsh nineties. Yeah. It, it feels like this was like the, the, the beginning of the real like dark grunge type. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like, no, for uh, sure. I, it's weird. Yep. It, it like that time period kind of really tied into the movie itself, and that you know the mm-hmm. tragedy Absolutely. behind the filming, the tragedy of the storyline itself, and that you know, and then exactly like, yeah, the way it just kind of seemed to extend out. I mean, it was a year later that like you know Cobain took his life, and that you know, but like yeah, you know, like can you imagine something like that today? In that like a pop star, you know, ha- like I know pop stars, you know, have big followings and stuff like that, mm. but like you know, there were 
I think about 13 deaths related to his around the world at, at that time. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Sure. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That was insane. I, I'm, I'm trying to think of like how I, it's hard to explain how inf, like how influential this film is to yeah our generation to our generation right oh yeah well it was is there something like we can compare this to like to something i don't even think it's something that's really comparable but i mean realistically it was the first sort of and i hate using the term but it's the only one that comes to mind is like it was like um, a gothic renaissance in filmmaking Uh that kind of throws like really throws back to like the early german expressionist kind of stuff where it was all very dark and there was a lot of rain it was very atmospheric yeah, he carried that, that. That that was based at the time of how Germany was the atmosphere of the the country at the time, right? Yeah, like that's why that turned out like that. But I feel like that, that yeah. that's sort of the same feeling with because I mean, especially time, like, right? if you look at the crow, you watch it like just the way that the shots are are designed and lined up, you feel the setting. Like you can feel like that sort of claustrophobic city that's just sort of dirty and wet all the time. Yeah. And you mm-hmm. kind of just it creates this atmosphere that you're you that it's almost a character in itself is just the city. It's kind of like Hamilton. <laughs> <laughs> I joke. I joke. I, I, get what he, I get what he's saying. Like David Fincher did the same thing two years later when he did seven. Nah, yes. Yes. Right. Yes. Yes. So. The city it was based in was almost a character on its own. And Absolutely. Raining and that. It was just mm-hmm. mean and dirty. Yeah. yeah. And yeah. wet. And just, you have this feeling of like bleakness just watching it. Yeah. Right. Yeah, that right. was such a like interesting time for films. Like Fight Club came yeah. a couple years later, and yeah. then we had like Dark City. And that like, was all, these, yeah. all yeah. these films feel like they they belong in the same club, but they're different genres, right? Yeah, but they felt proper for that time. But you can see the sort of the influence of even on each other with how they how they shoot things. Yeah. Yes. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. It's and it's funny because the grime element has maintained in horror films, but it was very genuine in the '90s. Whereas now yeah. it's just like ah, uh, just token and make everything look dirty, you know? Yeah. And I don't really yeah. feel it the same way. It definitely, yeah. yeah. Well, that all, yeah. say, all comes part and parcel with the, the grunge era. So that exactly. was what it yeah. was. Is that you, you, you're exposing how dirty everything is. Like, we're not trying to sugar... I mean, coming yeah. out of the 80s where everything was bright and shiny and yes, and yeah, exactly. chrome, and now it's like, no, here's no. what's underneath all that. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Yeah, the real and, underbelly. Mm-hmm. And what's nice now is that, you know, they've, I guess they've had a few kicks at trying to reboot this whole thing and it keeps falling apart. And I'm, I'm a firm believer that, you know, there's some movies that are okay to remake and there's mm-hmm. some movies you don't mm-hmm. touch. You know, and I sure. think this is one of those ones where mm. I don't think you can do it any better or you can reach yeah. it any other way. Yeah. It's like Wizard of Oz. You don't remake the Wizard of Oz. You or add remake. songs to it. <laughs> <laughs> okay, let's not go that way. Or, <laughs> that's another episode. <laughs> you, you guys wanted to poke that bear. So <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, it'll come up with cats. Don't worry. We're going to poke the bear when it, when it the, the 20th comes out. Sorry, that's you were right. saying, Gus? Oh, my God. So I was just saying, like, it's, to me, it's one of those things where, again, it's one of those movies where you can't really change too, too much in it, right? Yeah, like, yeah. It was lightning in a bottle. Like it's not yeah. ever yeah. to me. And it's not even, not even just um, Brandon Lee's performance, which was phenomenal. Mm-hmm. But you look at the rest of the cast, you have Ernie Hudson, who is a phenomenal character actor in his own Absolutely. right. Absolutely. Yeah. But then you also like, you have, you know, like David Patrick Kelly and Michael Wincott as like the two villains of the film. You're not going to find character actors like them no. that, yeah. that can pull off those kind of, 
subtle men like you know, Michael Wincott's Michael Wincott. He's always yeah. going to be creepy. <laughs> David Patrick Kelly is so phenomenal at playing just these quirky, scummy characters. Yeah, yeah. Mm. I mean, like because he, he was in did it in Twin Peaks, and then you know you go from you look at The Crow where he plays T Bird, yeah, and then you go back to like the movie that it was his breakout, which was The Warriors. Yeah, like, great at playing these just. <laughs> insanely charismatic villains that you don't like you don't like them but you understand why people would yeah Mm. his i guess death scene if no one has seen it by now i'm not gonna i'm not gonna spoiler this but his his death scene is probably one of my favorite (laughs) which one when he gets when he's killed oh yeah Yeah. david michael yeah yeah guys i that's it's going to be one of my favorite parts of the and movie. Does the bash the devil stood and saw how evil goodness was. Yeah. To see the panic in his face. Yeah. You can't be you. You no. know, like it's just, it's that like, wait a minute, yeah. this is not adding up here. What's going on? But it was a call. It was that great car. It was that panic mixed in with the, like him almost acknowledging that he deserved what was happening. Absolutely. But it terrified him anyway. Yeah. But he's still like, I'm not going to stop this because this is what yeah. happens. It's mm. crazy. Like we talked about how the Watchmen at this, like the TV series at this time feels proper because it's playing off of everything that's going on around here. And the crow played off that in the nineties. I can't imagine how that would play now. Right. Yeah. It's not, it doesn't feel like the same atmosphere or how it would work. Like would they, I don't want them to tweak it to make it feel like it's relevant. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know that it could. I mean, I think that's yeah. the thing. Like, you know, like Viva Vendetta, honestly, I, you know, like I was saying before, it, it kind of suited the, the, the post 9-11 era, but then uh-huh. like, then it just became kind of science fiction, you know, then it just yeah. became totally relevant. And now all of a sudden, you know, this all this like, you know, chaos around the world and all these movements and resistance, you know, is like this byword. It's become relevant again. I don't know that the crow... I don't know. I mean, at that moment, because I think it's like what you were saying, Matt, it, it was a response to the eighties, right? Yeah. It was a response to this polished excess. Mm-hmm. And then the, the reality that had been maybe discarded or, or ignored. Right. And yes. I don't think people are that unaware now. I think, mm-hmm. I think the, the darkness of the nineties is now fully just ingrained. You know? mm-hmm. So yeah, I don't yeah. know. I don't know how they could rework it. I don't know if they yeah. could. I don't, I don't think it, I don't see it. I don't think it would ever need to be reworked. Like it's just, it's unnecessary. Like that no. movie stands the test of time. Even now, like it, it, it doesn't look dated. No, mm. no. Some of the computer effects a little bit, but I mean, but I mean, at the time, they were cutting edge at the time, right? And they yeah. were very, they were revolutionary at the time. Cause they yeah. never, and it's, and again, it's one of those things that, you know, like, genius born from tragedy is they never exactly. actually had to replace a person's face no, exactly face and they had to find a way to do that for the crow which i mean yeah. if they hadn't had to do that they may not have actually tried to advance that kind of tech because they no, never exactly to do it. you know what's good about the crow another thing that was great about the crow i know we're talking about so many different things yeah. um brendan lee was not a big guy right no. yeah so like if they made remade it now, I remember Jason Momoa said that he yeah. wanted to be the crow. Could you imagine just oh, like no. a giant yeah. man being the crow? Like that yeah. does not, no. that's not the, right. The whole, but even if you look at the comic material, yeah, he's a, he's a lean was guy. A tiny, lean little yeah, he, guy. he was, yeah. yeah. He's muscular, but he's not, like, he's but not there was huge. No, there's nothing yeah. about yeah. him that's supposed to be intimidating other no. than sheer force of personality. Exactly, yeah. exactly. Like he's yeah. drawn. He was originally drawn. He was based on, on Iggy Pop. So you Oh, wow. Like, if you if you want to cast someone, you gotta 
cast a crackhead. Like you need right. someone who's that small, <laughs> yeah. who's that, yeah. you know, unassuming when you look at them. Like Jason Momoa, yeah. as much as everybody loves him. Yeah, he's no, a tank. He's not appropriate. Yeah. No, he's like not appropriate. you'd have to cast guys bigger than him to convince him yeah. to even try to believe that. Oh yeah, they overpowered him and shot him in his apartment. Yeah. It's like, yeah, yeah. Need, like that wouldn't even be a movie. That would be a thirty-second no. fight scene, and then he'd win and walk away with his girlfriend. <laughs> exactly. I think he'd make a great villain. Well, I don't think he could be the crow. No, yeah, I'd love I to agree. see him as like Tintin or someone. That would be insane. Yeah. So yeah, well, uh, you know what? We'll put this out to our listeners. What other what other comic movies do you do you, do you yum on to use the phrase? That Eric <laughs> what are you doing, Matt? We agreed we weren't going to make it a thing. I know I can't help it. I'm jumping. <laughs> no, in the no, resist, resistance, resistance is futile. But, uh, but what other comic movies uh, are you a big fan of? Especially ones that you don't think are are considered mainstream. Hit us up on you know Facebook, Instagram, all that fun stuff that's in the crawl that you all listen to at the end of the freaking episodes. That's okay. I'm gonna have to believe it anyway. <laughs> <laughs> so yes, uh, at that point, I think we we definitely had a very fun little uh, deep dive on this one. Uh, I'd like to thank yeah. all of you guys for jumping on this wacky journey with me and indulging yeah. in my little. My little experiment of hilarity here. I, I feel like we could even I continue like this more. There's a lot yeah, more. Yeah, no, I think more. we're going to be doing this again for sure. Yeah, There's for sure. so many more that I, I was having such a time trying to... There's another one that I really wanted to go into. I'm like, no, no, it'll take too long to go into it. Yeah, yeah, let's and, save uh, it. Let's do I'll this again. For the next one. So we'll for definitely sure. be doing this again. That's good. Uh, so on that note, on behalf of Steve, Gus, Eric, Hawk, and myself, we wish you all a good day and we will talk to you soon. Bye. Bye. Star Wars next. Well, that's it for us this week on Geeks with Kids. If you want to get a hold of us, you can send us an email at podcast at geekswithkids.ca. And don't forget to like us on Facebook at facebook.com slash geekswithkids. Follow us on Twitter at geekswithkidscn. Check out our pics on Instagram at geekswithkids. And you can find all of this good stuff on our website at www.geekswithkids.ca. So if you like what you hear, why don't you hit that subscribe button and leave us a comment. This podcast can be found on iTunes, Spotify, Google Play, Stitcher, YouTube, and your favorite podcasting app. Thanks again for listening, and we'll see you next time. Chicken necks? <laughs> My clunky. Ah, oh, you guys! <laughs> God damn it. <laughs>